You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast, a platform that we've created to bring the Nordic community together. My name is Paul Hackett, and I'm your host. Wonderful. There we go. Right, so if we'd like to just start with uh, everybody uh, introducing themselves. Uh, start with you, Cristobal, and then we'll go Andri, Smriti, and then Buana. Yeah, thanks. Hey, everybody. Yeah, thanks for inviting me for this uh, important topic, yeah. Um, you know, my, my name is Cristobal Vetsig. Uh, I'm a father of two children first, and uh, for the past five years, I've been working at RelationDesk um, as a CTO. Uh, we have made a social media CRM suit and uh, we offer this service for pretty large brands in Sweden at least, like uh, Swedbank, Telecompany, etc. Um, and what's more interesting, uh, we got procured uh, about one and a half years ago by the media group uh, Retriever. Yeah. Andre, you want to take yes. over? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Andre Zinja. I work in Smarber at the moment and the engineering director. So I lead a few engineering teams. Uh, one of them uh, building a platform for all Smartbear products within Smartbear portfolio. And uh, the other one is Test Engine Virtual Server. So one of the products within API Lifecycle Umbrella. And so in essence, what Smartbear does, it's a um, company with, which is focusing on uh, engineering lifecycle or software development lifecycle. So we have tools within API design, API monitoring, API testing, load testing, test case management. Uh, if you heard about tools like Cucumber or uh, Red API or Swagger, Swagger Hub, so those are tools within uh, SmartBear portfolio. Excited to be here. Thank you for your invitation. By all means. All right, uh, Smriti, if you want to go next. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, first of all, uh, I'm really grateful that you invited me to this talk and uh, mental health is super important and it's getting even more important each and every day. So, uh, I am Smriti and I work as the head of artificial intelligence at EarthBank and there I work on building uh, more resilient um, and dynamic uh, carbon monitoring and verification models. Currently, the carbon verification is accessible only to 50% of the landholders and 500 million landholders who have small land, they can't access it. So through our models, that's our motto. We want it uh, to be accessible to those people as well. And I also am working with Henrik Gottberg on an open uh, and inclusive peer-to-peer -peer community where we can co-collaborate, share, and like just learn. And a fun fact about me, I'm a religiously Coca-Cola person. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so and, uh, Juan, if you'd like to uh, introduce yourself as well. Yeah, thank you for having me here, Paul. Um, very, very grateful to be able to share the platform with with these amazing people. Um, and mental health is a topic very close to my heart. And just like Smriti, I'm also a Coca-Cola person. Back in India, I used to be a thumbs up person, but that's not available here. So Coca-Cola is way to go. Um, I work as a product owner and engineering manager at NetEnt. Uh, I've been with NetEnt for quite many years and I've been in the tech industry forever, uh, ever since I started my career. Um, apart from work, I have a small family, my husband and my son. Uh, 
so my son doesn't leave much time for me to spare on other things but i do like cooking and it's kind of therapy for me so it's important for my mental health uh cooking and before he was born i could even blog about those uh, dishes or uh, my experiments that i did not anymore uh so my mental health therapy are now cooking and spending time with myself wonderful that's about me fantastic all right so we'll just uh, get kicked off then so obviously the main topic is how to maintain your own mental well-being but also assisting others to do the same in the workplace obviously you got to start from the top um in these kind of situations uh so uh andre do you want to start with uh your question for the group first mm, yeah my question might be too quick into details <laughs> i know if you want me to start from mine but i mean i'm happy to maybe try to abstract it a bit to make it more like inviting for the conversation but i guess maybe it's part of me but i, I myself quite practical so i tend to jump into not solutions per se, but more like, okay, what we can actually do to improve and make things better. Because, you know, in these topics, you can get quite abstract and philosophical, but at the end of the day, people could, especially we as leaders, you know, when we lead a group of people or teams, they don't want to just to listen of nice words, even though sometimes it's reassuring and helpful to have leaders talk about, you know, make a step back, talk about the bigger picture. But when this pandemic came out, I mean, I wanted to be more practical. Okay, what can we do to support our people, you know, as leaders in the company? That's what kind of conversation we had at Smartbird, but also, you know, besides that, I know many of my friends had different approaches. They have the, what worked, was they try different approaches, what's worked in their team. Some of them tried, you know, Discord, for example, to have like always open channels and talk without having Zoom fatigue, you know, when we all hear like these video calls. And then I found the, nice little trick so i disable self you now i can't even figure out how to do it in this system but in zoom it's very easy so then if you don't see yourself your brain is not confused so then it's easier for you to process information in the screen you know small tips like that so like it's i didn't know about them before working like you know remotely even though i had this aspiration trying working from home and this just came as a way and i'm like yeah i'm not really sure i want to work like that all my life you know <laughs> but Maybe, maybe as a starter, like maybe tips and tricks or what you tried in your teams. So maybe even though if you had the conversations on high level, what kind of topics you've been bringing up to the team, what stick, what worked, what didn't work, why, you know, what you tried on the company level, on the team level. So that's maybe my question in that regard. Fantastic. All right, Christopher, do you want to kick off on this one? Get picked on. Yeah, that. sorry, I was laughing with the mic off because it was a very broad thing. <laughs> uh, I think I need to sort of break it down. Um, but I think everything sort of, there are some sort of ground things, right? So uh, mental health is also physical health. Um, so uh, moving yourself, not sitting still is uh, proven factual that when you move yourself, you reduce stress, so hormones and all these things. And I think that as a leader, it's always very easy to give good advice, but it's more difficult to actually follow it yourself. Um, so one thing you can do, I think, is do sort of this very simple motivators, yeah? uh, you know, um, uh, doing group runs or whatever. So physical health, I think, is one part of it for sure. But I think it goes to those classic things like um, all, all, are, all of us humans have basic needs that need to be um, met. Uh, and one of them, the emotional part, is to be seen and understood. And uh, I think that uh, one issue is that uh, there's stigma about mental health and there's uh, a couple of differences between mental health and how, uh, how open we can be about them. 
And um, now, especially when you're sort of in remote environment, uh, it might be very difficult to approach someone uh, when there is this stigma, although you're seeing these signs. And also, as a leader, it's very difficult to, are you making a right bet? Are you, are you actually, is your instinct correct? And I think that the simplest, very sort of practical thing you can do is to sort of um, uh, uh, broadcast to everybody that, uh, listen, uh, I may ask, and I may ask wrongly sometimes, but this is truly uh, uh, a concern, and it truly comes from the right place. And I think that all us humans have this um, this uh, notion of context. If they're in the beginning, b before you know this uh, pandemic, you had sort of a caring leadership role where you actually feel that somebody cares about you, then I think you can start breaking down that stigma. Uh, but I think you should also be very careful about how uh, how you approach someone that you might suspect have a mental issue um, because they might not be, be want to be approached like you would like to be approached. So I think uh, I'm not offering any solutions, but I think sort of uh, start with the small, I would say. Um, start with um, the practical stuff is about, you know, get moving, move yourself. Don't force people into lunch meetings and make sure they have boundaries about their work and their private life is especially more important now than ever, I would say. Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess uh, I don't have any very concrete about it, but uh, yeah. Raising awareness, you know, from an, mm. everybody's, every individual is uh, different in a way, so you can't approach everybody with the same um, model for mental health. Right. I guess my point is that that is very true, but you can start a culture at work that makes that the stigma uh, is not there, um, I said. Yeah. So, Mirti, do you want to follow on from that? If there's... Yeah, so uh, one thing that I would like to add to what Christopher said is uh, that sometimes, like mental health, um, like it's very easy to just assume that I'm suffering from a mental issue but it might not actually be the case. And then it's like uh, you shouldn't self-diagnose yourself with any mental issues based on some symptoms that you see on the internet because then everyone in the world is like probably has some issue. So um, it's very important to like see an actual psychologist or a psychiatrist um, when it comes to uh, diagnosing a mental health issue. And they could also lead you um, in the be be like best direction uh, about how to approach people. So that could be a way to go about it, in my opinion. And uh, so, yeah, so basically uh, what I do personally is that I have two cousins with me right now. And uh, one's two years old and the other one's five. So when I'm not doing anything, I just chill out with them, spend some time, play some stupid games, and we dance a lot on those smart lights. Um, and occasionally I teach them yoga, which they suck at, but I enjoy it. So yeah, a little physical exercise. I also like to go on some relaxing long walks with some music, and most of the times the kids join, which sometimes I wish that is not the case but yeah you can't avoid it <laughs> so yeah and if it's some issue like when it comes to some uh, unexpected situation or when i'm dealing with some sort of adversity i usually discuss and talk it out with my boyfriend or a friend 
like someone and discuss it first, break it down into pieces and not just jump to any conclusion because that's not do go going to do any good. And I would also like to share that at my workplace, if something unexpected happens, uh, which ha happens a lot when you work in a startup, we try and support each other. And it's definitely hectic, but a very supportive and fun environment as well. We share our unique experiences. If someone's feeling overwhelmed, we do share that also with the team. So sometimes we have a heartfelt chat, share each other's traditions, etc. It's super nice. But the most important thing definitely is to, you know, just try and find what makes you feel better and do it. And obviously a little physical exercise is very important right now. I like the introduction of other cultures into the team. So obviously if you're working, you know, in a larger organization, or well, it doesn't have to be a large organization, be of any size, but obviously, you know, especially within tech, you've got people from all over the world joining teams. So rather than treat them all as all individuals, if you can somehow, you know, incorporate all of their individual cultures where you can all share them, then that, yeah. you know, helps with the, that whole um, yeah. feeling of being included within the unit, I suppose. Really like a few days uh, back uh, during Christmas, uh, we have Angie uh, in the team who's from originally from Greece. So she decorated a ship and she uh, sent images of that. And she was like, in Greece, it's a culture to decorate a ship in Christmas. So it's like these tiny things which make you feel nice and obviously included. So that's a very important part. Yeah, that, that's also a very important thing when it comes to workplace that you just don't have people in the team, you include them. I learned this in the presentation yesterday. So you have like a team, which is diversity, but then you choose who to pass the ball to, which is inclusion. So it's important to have both diversity and inclusion. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, Barna, would you like to follow on from there? Yeah, excellent points made by Christopher and Spriti. Um, I think what has worked for me is I'm myself very uh, humane in nature. I believe utmost in being an empath. And during this pandemic, I mean, I've worked in remote setups for a very long time, but this, this is special, right? I mean, everybody is in the same setup now. And there have been turbulent times, both at work. I, I think people might have suffered uh, on personal level as well. Not everyone is as open uh, as you imagine to be. So I think it, it's on us as leaders to make that environment safe enough that the, the team can come to us and talk about it. Um, also being a little vulnerable, uh, which I mean, it's up to you how much you allow yourself to be vulnerable. But I believe if you are a bit vulnerable, that gives a gate for the other person to you know enter and open up as well uh, so there are there are sh much more upcoming and forthcoming and sharing about things uh, then small little things that we have done is continued with the fikas even if it's virtual fikas so that you get a break from your tech talks your work talks and you can talk about something else and just chill and then also humor is so underrated that even if you crack stupid jokes uh, that nobody laughs on would just make for another joke that she cracks stupid jokes, right? So th those things have helped me. And one thing that we introduced in our team very, not very recently, it's been a while, uh, walking stand-up. So 
uh, we take those 15 minutes to half an hour, whatever time we are talking, uh, we take our stand-ups outside. And Sweden is the best place to be in, in that case because you can find nature anywhere. So while I'm talking and I'm walking into the woods, uh, which is very close to my place, another team member is walking by the by the lake. So and then you talk about that as well. So it's it's automatically in your conversation, right? So you're sharing things and then you have your baseline. Okay, this person is sounding a bit off today. And then based on your comfort level, you can ask more. Uh, what's up? Is you're not sounding usual or uh, you know are you well or is is everything okay back home or at work or things like those so th those have immensely helped at least in my case and i hope hope that uh, nobody in my team is uh, hiding behind that wall where they're not uh, comfortable in sharing anything um, so I, I just sometimes just send a message uh, not just to my own team but beyond my team as well just to say Hi, I'm just uh, writing in to check if how you are doing. Uh, is everything okay? Just, just be, just be human. That's it. Yeah, yep. check-ins and especially the, you know, the um, walking stand-up is actually super interesting. Yeah, um, I, I think one more thing is that we have to be, uh, we have to accept that this is the new normal and not make a fuss about okay, if I'm in a meeting. My son is run, running behind me. That is new normal. That is new office. You have to accept that. And if as a leader, I can talk about that, my team would be automatically open about it. Yes, it is okay. They're not pressured to, oh, my, my family is making a noise behind me, which right now is happening, by the way. <laughs> but it, it should be accepted as new normal and it should be very okay, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Andre, did you want to, um, there's been quite a lot of points thrown based upon what they're doing at their companies. Um, what's, what are your thoughts on what's been shared there, seeing as it was your question originally? Yeah, it's great. I love it. I mean, of course, you know, it's uh, it's cool to, to hear the perspective experience of other people. That was pretty much the essence of my question, to learn, you know, from you as well, and maybe share something that what uh, we've been going through in, in, in my teams. And, and um, I have actually a funny story. Uh, when Luana was mentioning about the meetings or stand-ups in a, in a nature. <laughs> I tried it a couple of times and the first time I tried it, I took it, I took a stroll with my son, newborn son. He born uh, like a year ago, but back then it was like six months. And like it just before the call, he woke up and started screaming. I'm like, oh, I had to apologize multiple times and like, sorry, I really want to do this meeting. I tried like, you know, this walking meeting, but it didn't work out because he was really upset. They had to run back home and delay the meeting for 10, 15 minutes. But next time it worked. It was, like, you know, this first attempt when I tried it, like, uh, was it May, I believe, or April, when it was, like, sun and nice, and you didn't want to stay in your apartment, you know, but it didn't work out. But I think the learning from that was don't give up. I mean, it didn't work out first time, but it will work out next time. <laughs> um, but that was my experience. But then uh, about other things, I liked, uh, uh, you know, when you talk about psychological needs and psychological safety, like having this environment where people can be open about their feelings and their emotions, you know, it typically especially more like, you know, corporate environments, emotions are not welcome, you know, you know what I mean? So it's like, you, you expect it to be like a robot, you know, like a move on this life. And now being at home in this environment, with Skip, I have two kids myself and newborn just before the pandemic. So for me, it's impossible not to have this noise in the background. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, it might be uncomfortable for some people, especially for those who don't have kids. So, it, you know, might be for some reasons decided not to have or, not there yet to have kids so for them it might be like as a, as a destruction 
but this time, you know, what I noticed that going to this, you know, to, to another um, uh, comment about being human, I think people start to realize that we're all in the same situation now, right? It's like, kind of, we're all in the same boat, even though some people say, no, we're not in the same boat, we're in the same sea, but we have different boats, and somebody's sinking down, somebody's doing well, so we need to help each other. Whatever analogy we use, but at the same time, you know, we're kind of in a similar situation across the globe. So like when the first, I remember when during this pandemic, when it just started, the first question everyone was asking, okay, how is how is everything in your country where you are? Because our, our company is quite distributed. Like we have teams in US and Europe and in India and uh, and uh, yeah, across different countries in Europe, you know, things like that. But uh, uh, this kind of human, basic human interaction level, I think that was I, le I learned during this pandemic, which I felt sometimes we are missing in previous settings I've been working because we always like rushing to work, like we commute, and they're like, oh, I need to finish my task, oh, meeting, we need to do it as quick as possible. And suddenly everything kind of stopped for a moment, you know, and then you start appreciating like, if, like many, many of you, if not every one of you meditate, I guess, to go through all of this. So when, when, it, when they talk about meditations, they talk about, you know, breathing and appreciating the current moment. So I felt like at some point it was like that, globally you know so it was like this there was of course lots of negativity lots of bad stuff happening but at the same time i seen lots of great determination and positive things happening how people were approaching each other helping each other sharing feelings you know supporting and there was lots of lots of you know during this kind of hard times i used to say you, you get the worst and the best and the best in people you know and as leaders i think we focus on the best aspect to help and lead our teams you know through this hardest time so um I know why I'm saying so much, but I think I want. I thought it, it was important to say, <laughs> based on my experience, maybe like set uh, and like go into some other questions using this as an opportunity. But uh, uh, I really appreciate all you said, and uh, I tried some of some of those things in my team and some other teams within our company tried similar ideas. And yeah, I only wish there was more opportunities to kind of share this experience across different companies because. I, I, you know, we have those conferences, we have those forums where people discuss, but it's not like this human element, this interaction. I know there was more like, I know something was missing. That now having this conversation feels good. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I mean, even even from my perspective, one thing I've noticed a lot more, as you were saying, um, when your your company spread out across multiple countries, initially the first thing that you're asking now is how are things where you are. That, that element has actually been included in nearly every single meeting I've had over the last 12 months. It's not going straight into the business from minute one. There's actually a, every meeting now, there's a lot more care and compassion within the first five minutes of just checking in on how people are. So yes, we're doing a, uh, you know, a podcast, a discussion on mental health. But I think just over the last 12 months alone, the awareness of it has increased massively um, just because of everything that's going on. Wouldn't you guys agree on that one? So we have uh, Christabel. Would you like to ask your question next? Sure, why not? Um, yeah, so my question is essentially very related to Andre. Um, how do you actually monitor or discover mental health? Uh, because uh, I've been working with um, exclusively remote teams. And um, I think that at, at some point you sort of that develop this uh, sixth sense or uh, an intuition when something goes wrong and you have to rely a lot on that intuition. Um, um, but uh, what if you haven't developed it or, or, or you are wrong? Because you know, intuition is one of those things where 
it might be right a lot of the time, but uh, sometimes you're completely off. Um, yeah, so my question, how do you, have you sort of figured out how to solve that problem? How do you do this? Uh, Smriti, do you want to take this one first? Yeah, so uh, first of all, it's a really uh, nice question. And um, yeah, definitely intuitions can be wrong sometimes. But I think uh, you can, you know, go past it if you have enough support. And people understand, like, we are humans, right? So if you make a mistake or if you're wrong, your intuition is wrong, you can just communicate openly and you should have that network and openness uh, that you communicate about it uh, with your team or with your family or with anyone like in general and I think it comes the first thing is like I rely a lot on intuition in general and I think uh, it has to do a lot with courage and your comfort zone etc as well so um, like I think intuition is something that drives a person like I think there can be no courage without intuition and it has to come out from it so there are a lot of good things that come out of intuition and sometimes you can definitely be wrong like you don't know everything so uh, but yeah I think it helps to have a good uh, team and a supportive uh, network which can be virtual or which can be in person it does not really matter like most of my role models they like are people who i know through linkedin or some through some who i work with but i haven't met them ever so it can be like virtual or anything in that case and when it comes to that like it can also help you extend your comfort zone which helps you subconsciously expand your intuition as well so it all comes with uh, you know courage and intuition and then you get the confidence to do what you have to do and you need a supportive network for that and what we basically do at earth bank is we do like very regular check-ins we share and openly communicate with each other and if we screw something up it's okay everyone does it and uh, we actually host a lot of Tanayama sessions um, every week and the team loves it. And I think one thing that could also um, be a good way to, you know, um, tackle your question would be that, you know, like you get appreciated for the good work that you've done. Feedbacks, uh, constructive uh, criticisms, or positive feedbacks, both are required. Like if someone doesn't pay me, I probably wouldn't matter, like mind. But if someone like is stoic in front of me and does not give me any feedbacks about my work, I'll be like, did I do something wrong? <laughs> like the imposter inside kicks in and I'm like, oh shit, I did not do it right. That's why the person's not talking to me. So yeah, so that's something also you should not overthink about these things which i always do mm. so yeah that would be it from me that's pretty cool um barna what are you guys doing over at uh netent to you know keep an eye on people not from a nosy perspective just to check in and make sure that you know they're all feeling okay seeing as it's a very yeah. unique situation we find ourselves in yeah so i would agree with uh, smriti and christopher that 
there is some level of intuition involved and it always always comes with the experience not as as a person but the experience with the team you can't just from one day or day one you can know about this team member is facing some kind of issues no you have to really spend time with them so um, so for me i automatically have some kind of baselines for people uh, that i talk with so if i have six members in my team i kind of know i mean with different since, since we have uh, bi weekly uh, meetings uh, team meetings uh, we have weekly fikas and the way people even write you know how they write right you you observe those words the way they are uh, saying things somebody's overusing please somebody's overusing sorry so no you know their style so there's a baseline that forms automatically uh, and then i think those are your cues um, if something mm. is off if one day something is off then it's like i would just let it go maybe that person is you know not well or had some uh, in a, in a different mood something happened and it will go away but if it continues for a couple of days then it's a cue for me that i need to do something and then um, i might not have as much courage as spiti was mentioning but since i've tried to keep that uh, open network within my team that uh, yes i can talk about anything that i i think about beat my shit story uh, my failures or something that i screwed up or something that i did well so making a comfortable environment for them so then i if i feel okay this person is not behaving the usual way i don't generally go and talk to that person directly because i'm you know i i have to have my uh, guard as well and i try uh, this actually happened so i try to talk to uh, the reporting manager do you think do you know if something has happened that i don't know about this person and then actually something as something had uh, was uh, wrong uh, that person lost some family members and i was like okay then i know why this person was behaving this way it is not a mental health issue it is something else he or she is just going through a phase and it will go away but if if that didn't turn out like it did it would have been a cue for me then i would have definitely gone ahead and talked to that person what's wrong if everything is okay and there was another instance in uh, a couple of years ago with some, when something similar happened and i went ahead and uh talked with that person that everything is okay why why is this different and my only cue was this person was a high achiever high performing person and suddenly this person was making mistakes that i could not imagine this person would make so very simple cue but it worked for me in both instances actually Very interesting actual response there. Truly agree with that, Christopher. <laughs> um, yeah, Andre, how about you? Yeah, just exactly like plus 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 hundred thousand to what's been said. So um, I, 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 I was thinking like how to structure my answer, but I think I could only add that maybe all all has been said. Just so uh, what I what I the way how I, I approach it, at least in my mind, is to figure out how can I get this. Tacit, implicit, inf- like data, data information from people's mind, because especially like in my situation, when I joined Smartbird, I joined two weeks just before pandemic started in in, in Sweden. So like <laughs> I I I seen face contact of people only for a week. The next week we had to make a decision to go remote, and some people I didn't even see because they got stuck in India when they flew back home. You know, mm-hmm. so I didn't see some of my some of my people who I worked with for all, more than a year in person. <laughs> so so things like nonsense. I never worked like that, and. Um, so, so 
what I try to do to kind of somehow minimize this kind of because you know when when you work in the office you can see like you know lots of social cues you see how people interact you see their body language you can kind of feel them you know using this um, what you said uh, intuition you can sense that by so much information because the ways of our brain work right they process lots of information unconsciously that we don't even think we process but we are because that's how we wire it and create it in our brains. And then if you don't have this information, you only see a screen in front of you and, and faces, so it, you miss out of lots of information, right? So then I was thinking like, okay, how can I make that information available not only to me as a manager, but also to us as, as a team? Because people in the same boat as I am, just so they don't have management duties maybe, but they still need to interact and collaborate and see those feelings when somebody feels not comfortable or something. Uh, if you meet you want to say something, I, I can pause because I have lots of things to say more. <laughs> uh, uh, but maybe just to make it shorter. So, so I, I started challenging myself in a sense. Okay, so as a manager, how can I change my communication style? How can I change myself to be more open, to be more wel welcoming in conversation? How can I? What kind of question shall I ask in my one-on-ones to make it more like? In less formal, you know, so like even though we talk about work, but then we talk about things like, okay, how, how is it home? How do you feel? You know, I ask more explicit questions, one to 10, how, how do you feel mentally? And people are like, oh, six. I'm like, okay, so if you feel like that, take breaks, sleep. Sleep is the most important, uh, coming back to what Chris, Christabel said about body movements, sleep is also very important together with, with physical body movements because it's more like even sport, it's sport I read a lot about the high performance and you know, different uh, Formula One drivers and top athletes, all, all they said, you need to sleep, even though sometimes you need to sleep during your work time as well. Because then you, after you wake up, that's when you have your peak hours. And many Formula One drivers, they nap before the race, because that's when they wake up, they kind of can perform, you know, like on a, on a world-class level. So, so things like that, you know, so talk about, talk to people like about questions like, okay, what make you productive? What, what gets you in the flow? What gets you in the state of flow? And kind of makes it explicit, like, you know, is it music? Is it smell? Is it activity or, you know, wherever that is? So find that, find your zone, I typically say to people. Uh, but again, we can maybe talk for many hours on this topic now, but then to make it shorter, uh, the other thing what, what, what I do uh, is, um, at least what we agreed with the team to do, we, we have this kind of on Monday in the morning before everything starts, we do like team catch up. So we like, we have like, okay, what have happened in the company? So I make some kind of, management fluff, you know, what's been happening like on organizations that everyone needs to be aware about. And then after that, uh, kind of basic communication, what everyone needs to be aware of, we, we, we do open, open, open space. So we talk about, okay, how we spend our weekends, you know, what's happening in our lives, also gives, you know, people understanding of how everyone feels because, you know, for somebody, you know, some, per some, some relatives might get COVID, you know, and then we need to know because then that was stress people, right? Well, so for some, somebody else, they might, uh, I know, need to travel home to help somebody with their family, and that is creating creating distress. Somebody else has some health problems, not necessarily mental health, but something else. They need to visit doctors. So that one is very easy, much easier to see in the office because you can have a quick chat and then you understand. But in this remote setting, you miss out lots of information. Okay, how do you get that information? So having those formal informal <laughs> times like fikas, you know, or team meetings help helps significantly. And now we try to take it even further. So what we talk about is to have more data into how we handle, you know, team health and um, overall environment. So probably if, if my, my, my teammates would see this video, they're like, oh, and you never tell, told us this. So they don't, they don't even know, but we, what we discuss in the management circles, if you want to have like, you know, team health check or company health check, 
on a kind of regular cadence. So we, we done like few of those questionnaires like last year, like maybe two or three of them just to see the pulse. But now we discuss and make it regular. So we want to understand as leaders, okay, how our people feel, how else can we support them? What would make them be productive and get in, in the flow? Sorry for a very long answer. <laughs> so Christopher, you had the shortest question, but the longest answer. Longest How answers. do you feel? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I um, reacted about two things. So one is about that we talk about mental health as, you know, uh, almost like a diagnosis. But I, I think that's the only thing. It's about, you know, mental um, unwell-being. I can't find the right word for it here now. But, you know, everybody, even if you have a mental disorder or not, yeah, has times in your life when you don't feel well and you're not performing well at work, whatever it is. And I think that uh, you have the name of the head when it comes to... I honestly feel like I have a very good communication with my team. Uh, just two weeks ago, last week actually, I just had sort of a, a talk about concern. I said, hey, listen, I've seen that this is something going on. Can we help, etc." And, and that's sort of some sort of dare to ask kind of policy, right? Um, prefer to ask wrong twice than not ask at all. Um, and we figured that out. But um, I think that's sort of my, the reason for my questioning was more sort of, but how do you scale this? Because, you know, not every individual um, has, you know, a team like me of about nine people. You know, sometimes you have a team of nine, but those nine have other five, and then it sort of grows down, right? And I think that somehow it becomes so important for people in management positions to actually have this intuition. And if you are not able to sort of grow it by your own, by experience, uh, sorry about experience, by the way, it sounds like an incredible um, uh, story to sort of survive that. Um, but not everybody has the intuition or the empathy to understand these things, even if um, it doesn't necessarily have to go, have to go through something like this yourself. So I guess that uh, uh, to, uh, I still have a question with leaving this meeting is, uh, I guess, the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those topics where there'll never be a hundred percent concrete answer. It's more about yeah, sharing fair. best practices. Mm. What do you do? I was just super me? curious if there was sort of yeah, we actually scale this problem to <laughs> this many people and uh, these other folks. <laughs> yeah, but fair yeah, enough. That, that, that's what I was finishing with my long monologue. Sorry, that that's what we come down to. That we want to help this team, not only like mm. per team or per organization. So you know, like how. Also, managers reporting to me, and then I need to rely on their feelings, yes. their you know uh, intuition. Exactly. At the same time, like, and then I have managers who sit mm -hmm. in Boston, and then they make decisions based on talking to me, you know, who represents the bigger team. So then, and then that executive has other directors in other locations who also represent teams, you know, and team of teams and stuff like that. So then that's why we discuss it on, on a bigger level. Okay, so how can we make like more data informed decisions? So we, we, we collect all this information from all the locations and then decide, okay, as, as a company, what can we do? Not only like Andre as then a- we come to sort of this circle argument about, yeah, but do you actually have data? Um, you know, because one of the things, for example, people that are, are uh, near to suicide are actually the happiest the week before they kill themselves. And the reason is that they actually yeah. found a solution to the problems. So, uh, you know, just because you're a manager, you have intuition, doesn't mean that you're actually viewing things the right way. It's a very complex subject, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, this yeah, one is quite complex. And, and, and so, sorry. Yeah. 
yeah i think uh, like this is something that in my opinion there are two types of work cultures one where people actually care and then there's this other work culture where people do not care about you and they just care about the work and mm. if it's the second culture you basically can't do anything but you can always have like a person like a peer to peer system like you uh, sort of have one buddy with you who you can share things with and if you're feeling good or not and if it's the first type of system then you can like i can just report it to whoever's uh or not not exactly report it's more like you can talk about it in an open meeting which we have done at earth bank it's like today i'm not feeling so well this is my issue and you know it just comes out from within and i really don't think you can scale it so yeah like it's something not scalable because it's very individual i think i think there's um i think there's a case on every side where you you could argue um you know in multiple areas andre did you want to add something as well yeah what came to mind that i remember one of the company at work with the head you know like uh, mental health awareness days for example entire companies say like hey we recognize you know people are suffering from this this and that so let's be compassionate let's appreciate and and show um, you know understanding compassion empathy not not only during this day of course but you know just to to show that you know it's important for the company so people need to start thinking of those who are not because you know many people just don't know those things exist you know so um, and just just at least you know talking about this on the company level already shows a level of care and then as the managers they can discuss in their group okay so what could we do as managers of this department or just subset of the company to make it easier uh, to, to, to uncover complexity of this issue. And, and if somebody would tell you like, no, it doesn't, it's, it's not business justifiable. It is business justifiable because if people go in burnout and mental health issues, then you lose productive employee, right? You don't want to do that because we all know how hard it is to hire people <laughs> you know, and how costly it is. So you want to take care of your people as much as you can. So then if you're productive, they feel, you know, rested, respectful and all that. So. I think there is a lot of companies uh, can do from their side, take some responsibility. Of course, you can't expect managers to be psychotherapists and kind of uh, in, during one-on-ones kind of do counseling. No, we're not hired for that. We're not being trained for that. So for that, there is a separate you know, specialist. And in Sweden, it's quite a good support, I would say. So uh, some companies, I know, offer insurance programs where people can just uh, have a phone call and then talk through those issues and have appointments and go through them in a professional environment. And that's not an exception in Sweden, especially in my experience. So I think companies need to recognize it's important and then support managers communicating that on a regular basis. That I think would be at scale kind of answer. I know what came to mind. Um, I think it should be a norm. Uh, and of course we need some support from the management to, to be able to take that further. That if some team member says, I need a day off because I'm not feeling mentally fit or I'm having these thoughts that I don't, I'm not able to collect right now. So I need a break. That should be as normal as I have fever today and I can't come to work. Yeah. And if any, it has to come from the top. We can't, I mean, we can accept that within the team that, okay, uh, if you want a break, I'm fine with that. But if it comes from the top, it will be much more uh, conducive environment for the uh, entire company. People don't listen yeah. to what people say in management. They they look at what they do and where people progress. 
So whatever sort of, yeah, if everybody in the top is a black cat, then you understand that you should be a black cat. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so Smriti, shall we start with uh, your question as well? We've glossed over it a little bit in terms from one of your previous answers, but um, by all means, you want to kick that one off? Yeah, so my question's a little bit theoretical because I saw that all the other questions are pretty practical. So I haven't shared like about my mental health with a lot of people until today, where I share it on the podcast, like a grand appearance with Paul. <laughs> so yeah, like a lot of people who I came across, they were like, uh, you know, like people who are smarter, people who have like a high IQ, like when I, I did an IQ test, it was like 146. So people were like, if you have a high IQ, if you're smarter than the rest, you're more prone to, um, you know, like having a mental health disorder. And like there has been apparently a lot of research um, when it comes to Mensa and stuff. And the results showed that the more intelligent you are, you're 20% more likely to be autistic, 80% more likely to be ADHD, diagnosed with ADHD, 83% more likely to be uh, diagnosed with anxiety, 123 with at least one mood disorder, and 213% more uh, likely to be uh, have some environmental allergy, and etc. So that's something that I have an opinion about, but I would like to hear uh, what you guys think about it. Okay. Boana, do you want to start off on that one? Sure. Uh, I've read that research, uh, Smriti, from Mensa. And I was uh, kind of intrigued because even though I'm not a researcher and I don't trust Google, sorry, Google, but there are all kinds of, uh, you know, you find you Google fever and you are dying. It's like the best SEO work, uh, nothing else. So um, I think that is kind of true. If you even look at history, talk about Alan Turing or Einstein, I think it's more to do about their capacity to think beyond, uh, their capacity to, um, they have a broader mindset, I would say, to uh, think about more complex things. And the uh, from my perspective, it is because they're not able to reach the same wavelength uh, with other people so they're not able to communicate those things and that is why I think these problems occur that and since you're holding up a lot of things you can't explain you can't express and uh, I personally believe if, if that is why I guess men are more prone to heart attacks because they don't express uh, not not all of men but a lot of men uh, don't do that and women uh, are more talkative like I am so they express uh, and it can, it, there are both things to being expressive as well. Some people can talk a lot, but still not express what they're actually feeling inside. But still, I think it, it is more to do about uh, their not being able to reach the same wavelength and uh, talk on the same line. That is more to do with higher IQ, IQ and, uh, you know, uh, mental health issues. It's being able to relate to somebody. Yes, but yes. But thinking... 10 15 steps ahead and they're trying to convey that and you just don't understand and they're struggling to you know, you know like you're like you're saying like you know, feel some like camaraderie with that individual who understands them yeah and, and society tries to uh 
put your put their view on you uh, saying you are a fool and we are right because we are in majority and that has happened historically with every smart person so I think it's kind of true. Andre, do you want to follow on from that? Yeah, that's actually interesting. When I seen this question, I was like, hmm, I didn't know about this. Like, I never, I haven't seen the research. I need to do some homework <laughs> before having, you know, constructing a productive conversation. But, you know, don't take me as, as ignorant or skeptical. Just so take it, take it as Andre don't know what he's saying. But <laughs> just saying it was from my heart, I think. Because when I, when I spoke to uh, one of my friends, I don't know, I don't know if he had any of the mental health issues, to be honest, but he had an opinion on on, on mental health and like less less on mental health, but more like on on how the modern society take mental health as, as an issue, like what how this diagnosis is going, right? So so um, and there was there was this opinion somewhere. I know maybe an article that this friend read. He said that you know the way how uh you know the modern mental health issue diagnosis they, they vary per, per country for example what is one mental health issue in one country necessarily will be diagnosed in exactly the same way in another country because the criteria will be different or just I, i'm saying that i need to read the research to understand a bit better what how they came up with the number what data they used in evaluation but then uh, i heard for example from some of people who moved from us to to sweden and they said that what considered to be uh, ADD, ADHD in US is not what it is in Sweden. And they were quite upset about that because they said, hey, my, and that was about kids, because they said, hey, my kids needs to have proper support. And then in Sweden, they said, no, they're normal. What kind of support they need, you know? And that's maybe one, another kind of additional side of the question. But again, I haven't read the research. So I'm quite ignorant in that sense, but I apologize one at once. But that was maybe a perspective I wanted to say is my mind. Fantastic. Okay, so um, Christabel, <laughs> welcome back. Um, is there anything that you'd like to say based on that question? Um, well, I, I obviously had a detour, but um, <laughs> uh, I would say as a man with uh, average IQ at best, uh, I'm not sure if I'm qualified to answer this question, um, but um, I think you'd be careful about making sort of this um, blank statements about uh, this or that. It might be that people with very high IQ are afforded uh, work or social situations where they actually um, can discuss them or can um, explore them um, or whatever other correlation you might find. Um, but I think that um, by intuition, I think that we all have met people that are very, very intelligent, but are necessarily not very, uh, has very nice, oh, sorry, has maybe always uh, good with social cues. Uh, but I think, uh, I think that um, more importantly, I think that uh, as a manager, uh, if you have an individual of that sort, um, usually they are sort of, they can lay golden eggs all day long if you just keep them in their comfort zone. So I think there's sort of um, there's a place for everybody if you can find them the good fit where they feel comfortable in in the right context. Um, um, yeah, I think it's a very Other interesting that, I don't question. have much to say. It is a very interesting question because you're all leaders within tech. You're all running teams of you know different amounts of people. So obviously within those groups of individuals, there'll be different you know not IQ levels, but levels of intelligence, which you can recognize to some degree. 
Um, yeah. And do you feel like, you know, this is just a personal question of curiosity on my own, but do you feel like you have to treat people differently based on that alone? Um, uh, as you're saying, you're saying keep them in their comfort zone and, you know, that will... I think as a leader, it's your absolute responsibility to treat every single individual uh, differently because every single person has different needs in different situations. Yeah, Andrew? Yeah, fully agree to what Christopher said. Unfortunately, he got frozen. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, like there, there is a book called you know Managing Snowflakes. So that's you know that's how it is. I mean, every single person is unique and individual, and each each one has their own needs and values and uh, perspectives. So, yeah, no yeah. doubt, yeah, fully agree. Hundred percent. Smithy, what did you think to the uh, answers to that one? I actually think the answers are good, but I actually disagree with Christopher. So, um, I don't think that uh, you should, like, if you have someone who's, like, probably highly intelligent, I don't think they should be in their comfort zone. I do not. I think they should, like, because if they step out of their comfort zone, they can have a lot different perspectives, ideas. I actually gave a talk on comfort zone yesterday in the International Women's Day uh, Summit. And um, I think if you're in your comfort zone, you'll probably end up doing the same thing, the rigorous thing. Every new experiment that's been done, mostly they have been done by people who are like ideally smarter or uh, than the rest. And if they stayed in their comfort zone, they would have nothing new in the world. So they like they all stepped out of their comfort zone. They all uh, like. Take the example of Nelson Mandela. He stepped out of his uh, comfort zone to do what he did, like every single person. So you have to step out of your comfort zone if you want to achieve something and if you want to make use of your intelligence or your IQ or anything. And I think uh, if the brain's like, um, you know, heightened sensitivity, um, it will... It, it'll make you creative and it will make you innovative and you'll have different perspectives about things and also opinionated obviously because you can you think about things which can sometimes lead to overthinking and that can lead to anxiety in a lot of situations and it's also you know as Bhavna mentioned society so society thinks about things in a certain way and you don't you disagree so people try to shut you up, which ideally shouldn't be the case. I love to listen to people who have different opinions, but people just want to shut you up. Like everyone in my family hates my black lipstick, but I love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so it's like, you know, like that's not an example related to IQ, but just society. So you can be you. And uh, about the question Paul asked, you should not treat people based on uh, differently based on their levels of intelligence. I don't think so. Um, but you should just treat them differently because they're different people and they have different needs and requirements. And it's you can't find everyone who's like super smart and that's not how everything's meant to be as well. But then there are some people uh, who would be smarter than the rest and there would be some people who need some more time to understand things as compared to others. So that's completely subjective. And, you know, that's also, it's also important how they define success for themselves. Because for me, success 
is not being the head of AI at Earth Bank. I am proud of it, but that's not success for me. For me, success would be if I can, you know, like do something by myself that inspires a few people. So that's success for me. So the talk yesterday was success for me and not my occupation for which people give me credits for. So that that could also be like extremely different. So everyone's different. They have different needs. Like, so it's just that. And stepping out of comfort zone is very important. And also to know when to step back inside your comfort zone to recharge yourself. So um, I'm hearing that uh, I think there was a misunderstanding. Uh, I believe that uh, I, I got kicked out from my computer. So <laughs> I ran the batteries on my phone right now. Uh, I don't uh, want to be um, interpreted as I mean that you should be treat people differently because of their IQ level or even mental health. I think you should be treat people as a manager differently because everybody has different needs. And you essentially having the golden rule to treat someone uh, like you'll be treated yourself is a very dumb rule. It's sort of a plan B. Uh, you should try to figure out how they want to be treated and you should try to sort of adapt to that. So just in case there was a misunderstanding there, uh, I got kicked out, so maybe I didn't hear everything <laughs> of it. Yeah, um, that was my point. Wonderful. Yeah. So, like I say, you know, with all of these kind of like questions and topics, obviously there's a core agreement that um, you know there's there's an element of treating people differently based on their personality or just just as an individual themselves. And you're all trying to move towards the right goal as leaders in tech to, you know, make that, uh, you know, a, a most viable solution possible. Uh, but like I said, there's never a perfect way of doing it because it takes years. As Buana was saying, you've really got to spend time with the people. Uh, so it'd be interesting if you're a, a new manager at a new company that's just been hired. How, how do you join a team? And then you've got to look after five people, but you don't know these people. So how do, can you tell um, if there are any mental health issues or if they're having a bad day or, you know, how, how do you figure that out if you don't even know them? Um, so there's loads of different uh, little areas and we could talk about this for hours to be fair. But um, Buana, would you like to ask your question uh, to the group? Sure. Like you said, we can talk about it all day or maybe for days. Uh, it's such a topic. Um, but yes, my, my question was... Uh, it's more related to how I can handle my, be in my mental, good mental zone and how I can do things. So how do you compartmentalize different areas of your life? So you have professional life, you have your home life where you are with your family, and then you have your personal private space. Uh, and there can be uh, different times, they can be imbalanced in one of the areas. How do you manage that one imbalance in one area doesn't take at all on the other area. So how basically man you manage your mental baseline? Andre, do you want to kickstart this one? That's a huge one. I don't know where to start. I mean, <laughs> it's like trial, trial and error and see what sticks, what works, what don't. But yeah, I mean, hell, I've been playing with this since I remember myself. I've even been a student, I think, since, since those days because you always juggle a lot of things. I mean, and the more you go with your life, the more things you have to juggle. <laughs> It's like kids and stuff and like they want to take vacation how to do that and like ah, come on i know I, I read lots of books i mean many of you probably heard about the gtd and time management things i know it worked at some point when i i tried to be quite strict with this but then i said like hell hey you know i i, I don't want to be like a robot i don't want like to plan my day like hour to hour minute to minute like then they say like 
Elon Musk planned his day in five minutes chunk. No, he don't. I mean, he said it many times that uh, he maybe done it like a few times when he had like very tough days and then he had to sign lots of papers, but he doesn't do it every day. Nobody does. So it's like, you know, it's what makes sense to you mentally. I mean, again, you need to feel good in a moment. You need to feel present who you are. You need to answer all those questions to yourself. Like, hey, who am I? You know, what, what makes me happy? What makes me tick? What makes me, uh, you know, spending my day well? And if you don't understand yourself, Okay, how can you help others? <laughs> you know, you can help yourself. This is kind of what I tell to myself when I was going through those reflections. I don't mean to any of you, apologize if it came, came that way. I mean, I mean me in that, in that context. And then when I realize that, I, I, say, I say to myself that, okay, so I need to care, take care of myself first. Up until I've done that, I can take, take care of my family. And only after that, I can take care of my team, you know, my people I manage. So that's my priority order, like me family of my next circle and then you know my work and then some friends hopefully somewhere <laughs> like to stick that to have some time you know to to catch up with this friend is like quite bad with that these days something i need to, i need to do better but i think my answer would be that uh, first of all understand your uh, understand priorities what's important for you so it's like and then structure your time around those priorities right so then I, it, it, for me it comes down to sometimes i can book like you know time in the calendar saying like me time <laughs> And I negotiate with my wife heavily on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to take turns. You know, this time I'm with kids, next time she's with kids, and she takes her me time, you know. And then we have time, like family time. Then we have kids time when they go to have some kind of, like, you know, Sunday vacation in Ukrainian school. Like we found one. So, so we kind of try to kind of plan a bit. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you can run. Uh, I did run in the situation where those schedules you just need to forget about them because it doesn't make you happy. So they need to change something and like come back to the kind of mentally make a step back and then say, okay, what does it work for me? What makes me happy? Like how, what what makes me refreshed, relaxed? And then after that, only I can help somebody else to go through the same journey when I when I am in a in a, in a calm state, in a, in a fresh, in a moment. You know, only 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 that place makes me a productive manager. And I had situations where we talked about taking mental day off. I feel I can wake up and feel like, no, I, I just can't, you know, it's not like I'm okay. I don't have fever. I'm fine, but I just can't. I take, I take a day off and then I need to spend day in nature typically with my kids, you know, and then relax. And then only after that, I can be productive at work. So only that priority and it, nothing else worked for me, but that's me. <laughs> <a> mental reset <laughs> button. <laughs> yeah. I also, I also like one things come to mind. I have a car and uh, and sometimes uh, I do this what I call NACA therapy. You know, if you live in Stockholm, so I go somewhere by car, I go deep in woods, and then I, I just get lost <laughs> somewhere in nature. <laughs> well, you got sat nav these days, so it's easy to get back. <laughs> uh, but Christopher, would you like to follow on from that? I think this is one of those things where it's easy to give advice, but it's very difficult to sort of uh, abide with those advice yourself. Um, I think that sort of to try to um to create boundaries about work and respect people's time and all those things are easy with a team but as a manager i think you get into this very difficult situation where you have responsibility for your own mental health in a sense um where you are essentially what you do right is you're not actually creating anything anymore you are uh, you're totally trying to have other people have um, longer periods of of uh, interrupted time to create while yourself, you're essentially in this uh, ridiculous game where you're trying to push um, balls uh, rolling down a hill and just trying to not let one go, right? So I think that when you're in sort of the situation where 
if you're in a situation at work where you don't have control over anything for long periods of time, that is really grinding. And I know grinding is supposed to be this positive thing, but the problem is when you start, when you're grinding problems, that's a positive. But when you're starting grinding on yourself, that's when you get into trouble. And I think so, I think um, um, uh, one of those things is to really uh, um, physical health uh, from a pure biological chemical standpoint is one of those shortcuts where you build up this, threshold that you actually don't get into those low dips. Um, another thing I think is uh, exactly what you said, Andrew, that you have to manage your own health. You have to say, say okay, today I'm going to take a two-hour lunch, and that's fine because I need to take responsibility to make this for years, not two years or three years. Um, I think that's, um, like I said, super simple to give advice, but very difficult to actually abide by them by your own. Yeah. But um, from a company perspective, before I, I mm. move on to specific, do any of your companies, you know, feel free to just jump in on this one, actually allow for like a flexible hours in terms of taking, you know, extended lunch breaks, starting a couple of hours later so you can have a bit of a lie-in if you're not feeling great, working late in the evenings and making up the time on another, on another day? Where do you, where, where do all of your companies stand uh, on that Absolutely. I don't remember a day when ever I have had different managers at NetEnd. Even, I mean, when I joined NetEnd as an employee, before that I was working with NetEnd as a consultant. Even then, I had the same flexibility. So I've never felt that there's no flexibility for me to work if I want to start at 10 and I want to finish at 6. And now with with my son, I can, my manager or my team, uh, teams know, the people I work with beyond my teams know that, 3.30, 3.30, I have to go and pick my son, so I can't have meetings. And it's amazing, uh, and I would give that credit to Swedish system, that people are so acceptable for that, that, okay, uh, I can't be in that meeting, or if there is an urgent meeting where there are many people and I can't be the one who's taking that meeting off, uh, I can just be listening in, and they know I will not talk because at that 10-minute stretch, I am picking my son up and I need to talk to their uh, to the caretakers. So I think that way Sweden is really, really nice place to be. And NetEnd has been very, very supportive. I don't know about other companies. Maybe I'm, I'm in my small uh, frog well. No, that's absolutely true. Even at Earthbank. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so even at Earthbank, uh, our chief impact officer, Rishan, he goes every day at 4 to pick the sun up, pick his sun up. 3.30 or 4. So uh, everyone's like super respective, uh, like respected like a lot. And when it comes to me, I work like I'm completely nocturnal. So it's right now it's 10.44 p.m. in India and I'm completely nocturnal. So I like reply to people at like midnight and I people do reply somehow because some of our employees are in Australia. So I match their time zone. And so is the CEO. So they're like completely okay with uh, flexibility when it comes to work, except the meetings, which is also okay if I can't join. Mm. So yeah, that's completely true. And I have seen that at Earthbank as well, Vapna. So uh, to follow on, Spriti, how do you, um, you know, going back to Vapna's question, how do you 
uh, you know, yeah. compartmentalize your work, home, and private life? Yeah, so um, I think it's even more difficult for me, like, uh, because I am, I work in a startup, and, you know, like, things change every day. So uh, it's even more difficult to separate your professional home and private time. When I was in Sweden, I used to go on like long walks. By long, I mean six, seven kilometers. Like I could just walk. I have this ability where I can walk for hours. <laughs> and my boyfriend never joined me because he hates walking. So yeah, but otherwise, I think a good tip would be to create a home office, like a small area with a desk, etc., where you work. And then you avoid visiting that space during your days off so that you don't feel like you're working, like you can get a change of mind. I think that could be a good tip, which I don't do, but I should do. And also do some post-work activities that you enjoy, as Adri mentioned. And if it's getting too much, ask for help. Your coworkers will understand, and it's very important to allow yourself regular breaks and chilling out during those breaks. Like, you should not take a break and sit in front of the laptop and do the same shit. Mm -hmm. So I also make sure that I have some private time before uh, going to bed where I read something or watch something I really like. So that makes me, you know, like, relax a little despite having a hectic day. Because since I... At a bank, some of our employees are in uh, Australia, some in Europe, some in Argentina, some in uh, UK. So a day can be long hmm. with or ever-ending. And we also have some people from America, so a day could be ever-ending. And another thing that I should do, and I think everyone should do, which I don't do, is that do not check Slack when you're sleeping. Like. I check Slack and I reply even when I'm sleeping. Like I wake up and I'm like Slack. <laughs> and then I check the messages and I reply also sometimes, which usually are like absolutely ridiculous replies. And I don't know why those people are putting up with it. <laughs> so yeah, they should not. That's also something that should be avoided. Other than that, it's obviously extremely difficult to... Um, you know, make time. And another good point would be that, you know, like if you're staying home, make sure you eat with your family. Or if you're living with a roommate, make sure you eat with them, like having food together. That's a good, uh, you know, like uh, tip for sort of having a good home time. And if you live alone, then you eat with yourself, but make sure you eat. <laughs> yeah. Buana, what yeah. do you think of the uh, responses to that one? Actually, excellent points. And some of them I know, but like Smithy said, it's difficult to, uh, you know, put in practice. And like Christopher also said, it's easy to get, give advice. I sometimes give this advice to other people, but I don't follow myself. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's more about, and me time is very, very underrated, especially maybe after having kids. You think that my me time is playing with my kid, but that's not me time. Um, so, and uh, to be honest, it's very, very challenging to find that me time because every time I would find something, okay, maybe I should do some cleaning. Maybe I should spend a little, you know, do some activity with my kid. So, yeah, and uh, prioritizing stuff. But a lot of times my problem has been uh, even if I want to uh, relax and say I'm reading a book, those thoughts of work or something that's not going my planned way would keep coming into my head. So 
that's may not more of my problem i can find those times okay let me just forget everything read a book and i mean i i don't know if it's common with other people and in those times i would not even want to watch my favorite movie or my favorite series or something that i was glued with to but i can't continue with it so that that was um, i mean i i haven't been able to find a solution for that the only thing that has helped so far is maybe i i go out uh, in nature that relaxes me but that you but you can't go out at midnight right so yeah um, that's a really valid point you know as everybody said to some degree you know you can be fantastic at giving adv- out advice but you only really follow half of what you say but i think on a key element that stresses people out is the inability to switch off like say that you're going to work from 9 to 5 or you know what whatever the time frame that you decide to set for yourself or the flexibility but when you decide to stop for the day how can you actually commit to stopping how do you actually get it because obviously you got to wind down um do it i know what what said that she's not come up with a solution yet i certainly have not i checked linkedin at, you know just before bed at you know 11:30 and i oh this guy's replied fantastic been waiting for him um but like how do you guys um if you have come up with a solution uh, how how do you guys switch off at the end of the day that's so true paul like it's like and especially because i'm in india and i just reply in different time zones <laughs> like because everyone i communicate with most of them are in europe so it's like i sent a message to paul that i want to do this podcast and then i'm one, sleeping like, and i'm like <laughs> yeah i'm sleeping and like at like 4am and i'm like yay paul replied i have to reply back otherwise he'll not take me he'll go with someone else <laughs> so yeah and bhavna if i am in a similar situation i do something absolutely bizarre to distract myself like i just do something that i would have never done and that somehow helps me like yesterday i was feeling distracted and i picked up my cousin's flute and i started playing it i learned playing flute in school when i was like 12 years old and now i'm double that shit i'm getting older and then i started playing the flute and everyone's like what's wrong with you and they started belting me and that distracted me from what i was actually doing by getting belted so that helps sometimes yeah, definitely would wouldn't it uh christopher do you have any tips or tricks on shutting off at the end of the day um no i'm like everybody else i don't abide my own sort of advice but i would say that um I don't think it's as important to shut down per se. I think it's important that you have control over when you can shut down and when you cannot. Mm-hmm. Because there are times where you're very inspired, there's a lot of movement. It's a positive thing to have the time. I also have kids, so you know, sometimes you sacrifice the only time you can sacrifice is sleep, which is obviously in the in the long term is not good for you or anybody else. um but yeah i actually disagree that you have to shut down at a certain time or do this and that i think it has to be more of all the control itself uh doing things outside of your control for a long time is very sort of depleting um it's my find yeah yeah super valid point sir andre do you have any uh, say on that Yeah, I don't know what to say. Like my wife already nagging me, like, "Hey, let's go to eat. Let's go to eat. How how soon will be recording this podcast? Excuse me." <laughs> so that's that's the way how I shut down. I just close my laptop and yeah, then the rest is family. But I mean, of course, you know, sometimes it's not as easy because you keep mentally thinking of that or that plan your day for the next day. I know meditation helps me greatly, so I know 
Like, you know, mm-hmm. like I have this app, which I buy premium subscriptions. And thankfully, Skatavarket allowed you to expand those expenses from this year. <laughs> Just a little, little tip, you know, if you didn't, care, if you didn't know. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, yeah, really, it's hard. So it uh, just goes goes with time, and sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not. With human beings, it needs to be ex- like you know, un- understandable. Just maybe take some understanding to yourself, compassion to yourself, and empathy not only to teams and others, but to yourself as well. Understandably, yeah, it's hard for you. You're going through this. It will get better eventually. You know, it's just just a matter of time. <laughs> go with the flow, and things will be better. That's how I kind of use those mantras internally that help me to go through these tough times. Definitely. Right, well, uh, that's on that definitely note, true. We... Yeah, I think you can you reach us. <laughs> yes, sorry. That's okay. So, yeah, I think that you can reach self actualization, which would be the realization of your own complete potential only if you go light on yourself. Like, I know it's a hierarchy and it's difficult to climb that ladder, but it's also, um, you know, like, equally important to allow yourself the time to think, the time to learn so that you grow. So like everything should be in balance. And I am like trying to go that direction. Like earlier it was a lot worse for me when it comes to like switching off from work. But now like after 10,008 lectures from my boyfriend, I'm a lot better. And (laughs) Yeah, so that's extremely important, I think. And also self-efficiency, where you think that you can do something. So all these things require going easy on yourself, stepping out of your comfort zone, but also realizing the behavioral changes. And you you shouldn't just work on, focus on one thing, like learn different things. That could also be a good way of taking a break from a stressful life. 100%. Right, so I shall uh, wrap it up there. I think we've already ran over quite a lot. (laughs) Um, But uh, thank you so much for everybody uh, for participating this evening. And I'm just going to